right, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, guys. We're continuing our series on uh, what biblical church membership looks like. And uh, part of that series is, is uh, our call to move beyond the thought of church membership just being my name being on a roll, right? Because it, it's about more than my name being on a roll. It's about my responsibility. And as a member of the body of Christ, there's some things that I'm supposed to be doing. And so uh, because Jesus is alive, his, his bride, his body is, is also meant to be alive. And so we need to talk about the church in that sense. And so we've been walking uh, through a series of commitments we're asking our people here to make and uh, these are commitments that I will do these things. And so we've covered three of them to this point. Uh, this morning, we're going to add the fourth. And I, I want you to know, as I plan for this series, uh, this was the one I didn't want to preach. <laughs> you always run into those, don't you? Uh, now, I, I'll just be honest with you. The idea for this series came from a, a book that was put out by Tom Rainer, who's a really great author. Uh, he, he, he pastors a little bit. And, and uh, so Tom put together a book called I Am a Church Member. And it had these six commitments in it. And I thought, man, that's really good stuff. But, uh, but it's not about I am. It's, the whole point of the book is it, it's about something I need to be doing. And so I thought, man, you know what? I'm going to use these six commitments, and we're going to kind of use those as a diving board, a springboard for us into what we feel like God should call us to do here as we've been rewriting what it means to be a member of our church. We're working on rewriting our membership class. I thought this would be a great way to do that. Um, but we got to this week, and I thought, man, I don't know that I can preach that. I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that it can, it can come off the right way. And, and the reason why is because this week we're going to talk about the responsibility of members towards their pastor and towards their staff. And it's a hard thing to do. So I want to start by just telling you that I am so grateful to be your pastor. So I, I just want to start there. Uh, you guys are awesome. The love of this church that you've had for me and my family is great. Uh, so I, w- I want you to know, first of all, it starts in a place of gratitude. The second thing I want you to know is that the Holy Spirit had to do some work in me this week because he had to show me like, hey, dude, if you're not willing to ask for this, something's broken in you. And I thought, oh, Lord. And so uh, we're going to walk through this together like we've done every single week. I'm going to try to build a biblical argument. We're going to start up here. We're going to get down here to, to how, this, how this works out in our lives. Um, but I'm going to ask you to join me in word of prayer because I want you to know this is, this is something that, that I struggled with this week. And so please join me if you don't mind. Father, um, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word, which is good. God, we know that your word is alive and that it's active. We know that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. We know that it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. And so we, we come before you, we open up your word. And we say, God, would you teach us by the power of your spirit? Holy Spirit, um, we proclaim at this moment every week that you are the teacher of this church, not me. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and do what only you could do, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would lift up and exalt Jesus Christ in our midst, that we might see him clearly. Because when Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself, and Jesus is what we need. And so, Jesus, show us who we should be as we continue to try to figure out how to be how to do this thing called church that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, guys, four things I'm going to share with you quickly. So we got we to gotta book it. Uh, four things I'm going to share with you quickly. And this morning, again, I want to start building this argument up here. And the first thing I want you to know when it comes to church leadership is that the qualifications for leadership in the church are really high. Okay, The qualifications for leadership in the church are, are really 
really high. And when I talk about leadership specifically, I'm talking about pastors, I'm talking about elders. We're also going to talk about staff members. Um, but you just need to know that the qualifications are, 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 are pretty uh, exceptional. And so we start in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm in verse 1. I'll read through verse 10. And the Apostle Paul, writing to his protege, uh, Timothy, says, uh, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. He says, this is a noble work. This is a big deal. He says, this. he says, an overseer, therefore, because this is a noble work, an, an overseer must be above reproach, must be the husband of one wife, must be self-controlled, must be sensible, has to be respectable, hospitable. They've got to be able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone doesn't know how to manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap, right? We'll stop there. I think I said we were going to read through 10. We'll stop at 7. Um, if anyone aspires, it means literally if anyone stretches out for this task called church leadership, um, he said that's noble, right? That's noble to stretch out for this. But then it comes with this warning, right? He says if you want to be this, if you want to be a pastor, if you want to be an elder, uh, here is the things you have to be, right? Number one, you have to be above reproach. Could, could we just say if that was the only, if that was the list, that's pretty difficult, right? That, that, that's the list. Just be above reproach. That's all I ask. Just, just never let anybody find anything wrong in you that they could hold against you. They'll just start there. And you're going, oh, okay, I'm out. Tag, right? And, and it goes on. It says, oh, you've got to be the husband of one wife. This is important. Okay, the Bible talks about this. It, it, it actually says husband. Okay, that's, that's in the text. So this is the man of one wife. So that, 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 that speaks some truth to us there. It says he's, he's got to be self-controlled. That makes sense because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Right? So he has to have a, a sense of self-control in everything that he does. It says he, he's got to be sensible. Can't be crazy, right? It has to be sensible, be able to talk into things, have some common sense, has to be respectable, uh, must be hospitable. Always be welcome to somebody in, invade his day, Right? Because that's kind of how it works when you're the pastor and you're working on a message and the knock comes at the door and you go, oh, that's not what I planned for today. Please come in. Let's sit, right? It's got to be able to teach. Can't be an excessive drinker. Can't be a bully. Just think through that. Can't be a bully. Again, why? The fruit of the Spirit is, is gentleness. Right? That's part of the, the fruit. Can't be quarrelsome. It means can't really like to argue. Boy, think through that for a second. Can't like to argue, can't, can't, can't love it, right? He, uh, he can't be greedy, has to manage his household well. That's a, that's a tough one. Have children under control. Whew. Does that include the teenage years? Is there an exemption for 14 to 18? 19, they start coming back around. Oh, I miss you. You were so right. I was so wrong. Can't be a new convert, must have a good reputation among us. Listen, I, I don't know what your job description looks like. I don't know. I'm sure you have one. If you work somebody, there, there's a job description. But this, this is the job description of a pastor. These are the qualifications. That's not a, it's not a low bar. I want you to know, I, I don't know any pastors that look at the qualifications and feel like they're killing it. 
okay? It's not a low bar. I think that's why James, the brother of Jesus, writes this in his epistle in chapter three. He says, not many should become teachers, my brothers, right? Because you know that we're gonna receive stricter judgment. He said, like, like, listen, not, 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 not everybody's cut out for this, right? Because here's the standard that God is gonna hold these people to. And so whether you're, you're in a church and you're ta- thinking about your, your pastor or your elder, Right? Elders are the people that may not officially be the, the teaching pastor of the church, but they're also responsible for that, that spiritual leadership. It's not everybody's cut out for this kind of thing. So I, I just want to start here. The qualifications are really, really uh, high. All right? Not only are the qualifications high, though, I also want you to know the cost is great. The cost is great. Next to Jesus, I think the... Uh, person in the Bible that speaks the most about, or reveals to us the most about what it, what it costs to be a spiritual leader is probably the Apostle Paul, right? So the Apostle Paul in, in 2 Corinthians writes a few things. Now I'm going to ask you to turn there with me. I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 7, read through 11, then we'll skip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 7, and the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, now we have this treasure in jars of clay, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. It says, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. Right? For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 24 through 28. He writes, Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I've faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things. There is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? Uh, in his book on spiritual leadership, J. Oswald Sanders, and we just finished reading this book on Wednesday night with, with our men that show up for Bible study on Wednesday night. By the way, PSA, uh, Wednesday nights are done for the summer. We're taking a break, okay? So if you show up next Wednesday, God bless you. I think they're going to have a prayer group, and you can show up and pray. All the other lights are off, okay? So there's no food. We're not feeding you. It's not going on. That's, that's all done. But uh, as we wrapped up the semester, we walked through J.S. Walt Sanders' book called Spiritual Leadership, and he talks about the cost of leadership, and he lists a whole bunch of them. I'll just share a handful with you. The first he says is self-sacrifice. That's, that's part of the cost of of being a spiritual leader in the church. And what self-sacrifice simply means is that you have to die to yourself. That's kind of part of the deal. And so you kind of have an idea about what you would like to do in life, and God says, well, here's my idea about what I want you to do in life. And so you have to die to your own desires and your own hopes and your own dreams for the, for the betterment of the body of Christ. And that's, that's part of it. He talks about the loneliness of leadership. Think, think about this with me. What does a leader do? What do they, what do? They do? 
It's in the word leader. If you take off the, the E and the R at the end, what do they do? They, they lead. Do you, do you lead from, from the back? Is that how that works? Do you stand in the back and go, hey, you, hey, ah, ah, gah. Hey, that's, not a, that's not a shepherd. That's a sheep herder. Uh, that's what we do in Texas. Four-wheelers and horses and helicopters now. Yeah, yeah, get. Hey, that's a herder. A shepherd walks in front. A, a leader actually actually walks in front. So, so they, they see things that nobody else can see. Because of what they see, they choose directions that are going to be best for everybody that's following. And you know what happens in that is the people that don't see what they see then complain about the directions they're going. Because they, they don't have the same vision. Because they, they don't see the same thing. And so, so, so in, in necessity, uh, the answer for being a leader means that you're walking usually by yourself, that you're experiencing the hardships first, so that your people don't have to go through them. And I'm telling you, it's a lonely place. A.W. Tozer said this about leadership. Ah. He said, the leader must be a person who, while welcoming the friendship and support of all who offer it, has sufficient inner resources to stand alone, even in the face of stiff opposition, to have no one but God. You think about Moses. Who was up on the mountain with him? No one. He was alone, just him and God. In the tent of meeting, it was Moses and God. Sometimes Joshua was right outside. Sometimes maybe just inside the door. It's usually just Moses in the wilderness. You had Moses all alone, surrounded by people that were often complaining about what they were doing. And again, Moses even led them to the place they were supposed to be. They were the ones that rejected it, right? All that leads to uh, the third thing he mentions, which is fatigue. It's true, guys, that God renews our strength. That's a great promise of Isaiah, right? That he, he renews our strength and we can rise up on wings like eagles, right? It's also equally true that the reason that God has to do that is because we get tired. <laughs> and, and just think about your own personal life on following Christ. If we could be honest in church, and I know we don't always like to do that. Uh, anybody else just admit that sometimes this Christian thing is exhausting? Amen. See anybody else feel that way? I don't know, maybe you don't. Maybe you read the Bible and you're like, you open it up and you're like, oh God, I'm killing it. Man, thank you. Thank you for this book that just reminds me of how awesome I am, right? That, my Bible doesn't read that way. My Bible, when I open it, to be like, you really stink, okay? You re- I, and I don't mean you, you stink. I mean, you are like, wow, like haven't showered in months kind of stink, right? I mean, that, that's what the Bible usually says to me. Occasionally, there's some encouragement. Oh, it's okay, but I got this, right? right? But, but, but the Bible, like to, to walk like Jesus walked, to have the same attitude as Christ, which we talked about last week, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. I don't know about you, but it is tough for me. It's tough for me because my heart covets, right? And my mind wanders and my strength fails, right? And that's, that's just my normal Christian life. And, and so some of you are nodding your heads, so I get it. Others of you are like, nope, I'm killing it. God bless you. You're awesome. You can preach next Sunday. Need a week off. So I want you to see this. Your pastor, your spiritual leaders... They face the same common struggles of Christianity. But in addition to that, they also have a communal struggle. And and what that means is that they don't have just the normal stuff that you face, but then they also carry your burdens. Paul writes, who hurts? And I don't hurt. When does somebody not fail and I feel it? Okay, 
And I love how he describes it. This is how he puts it. He says, not to mention the other things. There's a daily pressure on me of a concern for all the churches. And I want you to know that if, if your pastor and your spiritual leaders in your church are doing it right, that that, that daily pressure is on them. Because their day may start with great time in the Word, but it's usually interrupted by a phone call of somebody that has to be visited right away in the hospital. And then they come back, and then that same day it may be that somebody died, and then walks in somebody whose marriage is falling apart, and they're key leaders, and, and this is all in a day. <laughs> and you imagine the highs and the lows. And, and, and the truth is, that's what your leaders, so when you hurt, they hurt. They're, they're thinking about you at night. Thinking about the, the church as a whole at night. They're wondering, are, are we actually making an impact in the community the way that we're supposed to be? Are our people, are, are their marriages thriving? For every marriage that he knows that's struggling, he's broken. Like, is that a reflection of my leadership? Is there something I'm not doing right? Am I, I'm not pouring well. Do, do we need another ministry to come up alongside of him? For everything that you can think about, your leader has that on them as well. And so I, I, I just want you to know that, that it's, it's a big deal. And so fatigue uh, is real. Those daily pressures are real. In addition to that, of course, there's my favorite, which is criticism. Everyone faces it. It just seems weird in the church. I gotta be honest with you. I wasn't raised in the church. I've shared that with you. And so I got saved. I was about 19 or 20. And when I got into church life and I, I saw people that were sour-faced is what I call them. Uh, they, like, they drink vinegar when they wake up in the, and they walk in like that. And like, that, that just, just didn't seem like it was of Jesus to me. They walk through the doors and the music starts and like, I don't like that music. Just, I just, this sour-faced believer that finds something to complain about in everything. And, and, and of course, guys, no matter what you do, if you're in leadership, uh, if in any way, I mean, there's always armchair quarterbacks. I mean, Sunday morning, you know, or Sunday afternoon when we watch the NFL, oh, they should have run this player. They should have done that play. Jins will probably be here later. And as a head coach, you know, everybody in the stands knows what they should have run or what they should have done. And, and that's just kind of part of, of life, the armchair quarterbacks. And so uh, what'll happen is you, you're, you're doing your best. You're, you're like, hey, I, I, I've heard from the Lord. This is what we need to do. And somebody's like, well, I think we should have done this. Actually, pastor, this is what I think, right? Or on a typical Sunday morning, I, I did some research. I'm like, how, how many words do you speak in, 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 in 40 minutes or 30 minutes? And I think the average is in a half an hour talk, you're going you're gonna to say about 4,500 words. And so typically the email is not about the 4,499 words you got right. It's about the one you misspoke right? That's kind of the way it works. And so that, that, that and I'm going to tell you, like, after a time, you do it long enough, it, it feels bad that you just get a little hardened to it. You just say, oh, that's part of the deal. Okay. Sometimes you even laugh at it. That's when you're, when you're doing well, you can laugh at it. Here, here's, here's, here's when it hurts, though, is when you're blindsided by it, you know? It's the person that won't sign their name to the complaint, but they just want to speak it anyway. Because you know that gives life. Right? And that's real. And that happens. And you'd be shocked when you think about God's church and you think about his people with his two, two great commands reigning over them to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and to love others. And then people that, that say Jesus reigns over them then kind of act in that way towards you. It's hard. It's hard. I'll tell you, none of that compares to 
to the last one I'll share with you. And by the way, he shared seven. I picked five. I don't want to spend all day on this. But that's the cost to your family, right? Because friends, I want to tell you, you can pick on me all day. You just get used to it. But when you watch your family suffer, it takes all the Jesus in you. I had somebody once leave the church because, uh, listen, and I, I unapologetically, um, we try to be in your face authentic. I, I, I try to lay my whole life before you. What that creates is a culture where most people that show up on Sunday feel like they know me. That's awesome. I, I, it's what I want, okay? But that doesn't mean just because what I share here and I spew real life and we talk about life, it doesn't mean, right, that everybody, that, 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 that we're friends yet, right? Because friendship takes commitment and time. We gotta do things together. You probably gotta invite me over to your house. You gotta come to mine. I mean, we gotta, we gotta do that. And listen, I have lots of friends in the church, but I, I just, this one person in particular, they left the church and they blamed it on my wife. And, and what it was, was they felt a connection with me because they showed up on Sunday morning. That was all they did, was show up on Sunday morning. And they thought that they should have been best friends with my wife. Now, she didn't have the same personality type as me. Right? I, I am, I'll walk into a room and I'll just go, hey, here's what's up. Here's how life is. Now, she'll do that in a room of friends that she knows. She's not going to do that in a room full of strangers, right? I've had people put those things on her. I've had people put things on my children. They think they need to act a certain way or they couldn't believe that they didn't respond in, in this kind of thing. And, and, and listen, I'm just here to tell you, like, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not okay. And, and there is a cost to it. And in addition to that, I'm speaking to, to a pastor here. Your phone's always on. Everywhere you go, there's not a vacation. There's, there's not a holiday. There's not really a time that that thing doesn't ring that you may not have to step out of something that involves the people that you love the most. Now, nobody else that I know, for the most part, has that kind of job where they're on call 24-7. There's a few where you have, you have the, but 24-7, that's just, and that is the cost to the people that you love the most, okay? So I, I listen, I'm just sharing, and, and I, I don't want you, I, I don't want sympathy. You know, that's not what we're shooting for. I just, I just want reality. So I want you to know that if the pastor can't respond to your phone call in that moment, it's probably not because he's goofing off, okay? It's probably not because he's wasting time, um, it, it, it may be that he's got something else that he's dealing with. It's another crisis. And believe me, that crisis may actually be a crisis. It may not be what you think is a crisis. Okay? Because most of the time, what people think are a crisis, that has to be handled then, most of the time, I could tell you, you know what, that could wait a week or two. All right? Okay? And so I, I just say those things. So we start there. All right? Here's the third thing I want to share with you. We've got to wrap it up. So what my study uh, wrecked me with this week is that the best leaders in the Bible asked for and needed prayer. The best leaders in the Bible asked for and needed prayer. And so this is, this is my deal. I stink at asking for help, right? I, 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 there's something about when you're the pastor and you're paid to do it, you feel like you should be the dude doing it. 
right? That's what happens. Like, I'll be the one to get there early, and I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug in this, and I'm going to turn on that, and I'll, I'll pick up that, and I'll wipe down that, and I, just part of the job. And, and so, so there's, there's part of that, that in you. you I, I, I struggle asking for help this morning. Um, you know, God love me. Last week was the last week of school for our kids, and so they're out Thursday, Wednesday. My daughter had um, kindergarten graduation, which is evidently a thing, and, uh, you know, graduated from, like, God bless you. I guess you're going to really impact the world now. You got through this kindergarten thing. It's awesome. Off into the workforce, you know, you're prepared. Uh, she can, she can, she can read, you know, reader books now. We're ready to go. Uh, and so we had, we had that and she got some awards. It was great. So that was, that was my Wednesday, part of my Wednesday morning, started writing a sermon, had some other things come up. Uh, Thursday, I knew I was going to be out because last day of school and I was supposed to hang out with a party and all these other things. I took kids up to my mom's house. So I came back um, and, and finished writing yesterday, which was awesome. I don't like to do that on the weekend, but um, I, I, I got to this, this point, so when that happens, and I, I finish a sermon after my secretary goes home, then I, I, I have to print those notes and cut those notes, and then the bulletins that are, she's already folded and stuffed, I then have to reinsert all the sermon notes in the bulletins so that you guys have something to write on, right? And so, uh, so this morning, I came in, and I'd been, I'd been thinking through this, and I'm, I'm terrible at asking for help, and the Lord placed a couple people in my path. And I was like, hey, can I ask you something real quick? Do you, do you, do you have a couple minutes? Do you want to help me? And so God, God's so good. And so a so, uh, couple sweet people, you know, fill those things. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Here, here's, here's where God wrecked me this week. Man, when you struggle to ask for help, specifically as a pastor or a leader in the church, um, what you're doing is you're not recognizing that the greatest leaders there ever were needed help. And so here's where the Holy Spirit led me this week. I'm number one, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? And which happens in a couple of places. So Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, uh, and, and you remember, he says, hey, listen, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death, right? And, and so he takes Peter, James, and John with him, and he's like, I need you to pray, right? I need you to pray. Now, you go read those passages, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. I, I believe wholeheartedly. Jesus said, I need you to pray for me. Uh, that's why he's upset. Like, you need to pray, okay? I need you to pray. Then we get to Paul, and, and Paul says things like this. Romans 15, 30 says, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, through our Lord Jesus Christ, and through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in fervent prayers to God on, on what? On, on my behalf. Paul's like, like this is Paul. I don't know what, who, who you think about. You think about like Abraham's guy or, you know, like Paul is Superman unto me, right? I mean, I identify with Peter, not Paul, because Paul's a smart dude. And I'm like the, hey, I'll jump in the water, Jesus. Uh, I'm more like Peter. But, but, but Paul's like Superman to me. And here's Paul. And he's going, listen, listen, church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beg you. I, I'm, please, would you, would you pray with me? Not only pray, pray for me. Pray to God on my behalf. He says, we're going to strive together with this, which means, listen, when you pray for the leadership of your church, you're joining them in the mission that God has put them, uh, put them on. You're joining them in the call that God has placed on their life. We go back to those qualifications. And, and, and when you decide, I'm going to pray for my leadership of, of this body of Christ, what you're doing is you're actually, you're striving together with them for the call that God has placed on their life. And so Paul, that's what Paul says. Now, not, not only that, I want you to hear what he says about his preaching. He says, pray also for me that the message may be given to me that when I open my mouth to make known uh, with boldness 
the mystery of the gospel. He says, listen, I, I need a couple things. One, I need knowledge. I need wisdom from on high. That, that, that when I'm preparing to preach that, that God would give me his word, it wouldn't be mine. He says, not only that, then, then I need boldness to actually say what God tells me to say, right? That I might be able to share the gospel with people. It's, it's a big deal. And so listen, Paul uh, wasn't a, afraid to ask people to pray. Jesus wasn't afraid to ask his disciples to pray. And that kind of leads to our final point is we here, me specifically, uh, can't be afraid to ask you to pray. And so the last thing I'll share with you is this. Church leaders need their members to pray for them daily. Church leaders need their members to pray for them daily. We started in 1 Timothy chapter 3 with the qualifications. I'm going to take you back there so we can go full circle and we can end up where we started. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7. Maybe you missed this, but here's what it says. It says, furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's what? Trap. Now, listen. That phrase, the devil's trap, only appears here in this place. I mean, this phrase, it appears at the end of the qualifications for who? For the pastor. So so he's like, here's the qualifications for the pastor or for the elder of the church. Now, Now, deacons come later, but for these guys, for the spiritual leaders of the church, here's the list of qualifications, and these men need to have these things so that they don't fall into the devil's trap, which means that the devil has a special trap just for pastors and elders. He has a special snare set just for church leadership. And and of course, we know the reason why, right? Because if the leader of the church falls into that trap, then then, then perhaps uh, even the name of Christ is defamed, right? Certainly, the church's reputation is run through the mud. And guys, you don't have to look far in our world to see this happening over and over again. We see pastors at an alarming rate I'm failing morally, whether that's sexual failure, um, having affairs, um, whether it's becoming dependent upon um, substances, like that's, that's going on, right? Um, the burnout rate among pastors is higher than it's ever been. With guys not just saying, hey, I'm not good at this anymore, but actually walking away, so I'm done with this. I'm completely done with this. And the one that alarms me the most, which seems to be a, 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 a huge uptake in the number of pastors ending their own lives, just committing suicide, feeling like there is no other way out. I think that some of that goes back to that loneliness of leadership. And and listen, I don't want to delve into all the reasons for that this morning. I don't want to delve into all of the reasons, but I do want to share with you that I think there is one remedy, right? And that one remedy, in my opinion, the one thing that the Bible lines out says, hey, here's some ways we can prevent this from going on. Ready? Praying for your spiritual leaders. That's it. And, and, and hear me, it works both ways. So on my part, um, I've got a good friend in ministry, and uh, he shared with me years ago, he said, Jason, I pray this prayer often as a pastor, and here's the prayer that I, I try to pray. Okay, ready? Dear Lord, before I ever defame your name before I ever fall into a trap that causes people to question you or to doubt your church. Kill me. That's a prayer. Now listen, some of you are like, ah, 
I don't, I don't think we should pray for things like that. That's a little dark, Pastor. That's the weight. That's, that's, that's the weight of the glory of Christ. Is that if you have a pastor's heart, you would rather be dead than to see the church suffer. And so, that, so that, that's, that's the part, on, on my part, on the part of the leadership here, we, we, have to, we have to have that mindset, okay? But then there's your part. And your part has to be that, that you're all in. And hear me, I think you deserve a better pastor. Somebody that's taller, better looking, that can, and, you know, teach the Bible with his eyes closed, that's memorized every verse. I told a kid, by the way, this week, Lord, I know I lied. I told, I told God I lied right away. But um, we were, Wednesday night, we were closing things up, and, and uh, our kingdom kids have memorized verses all year. And then they did a scavenger hunt based on those verses. And so one of the little kids, so excited, um, uh, comes to me, and he's like, hey, uh, Pastor, did you memorize any of the verses? Because uh, we're doing a scavenger hunt. You have to know the verses. And I looked at him, complete seriousness. And I said, son, I've memorized the entire Bible. And his eyes, oh, it was like, like I was right. and I was like, no, I'm just kidding. Because his dad was standing there. Otherwise, I would let him go with it. Um, no, I'm joking. Joking. I haven't really done that. I haven't really done that. Uh, because I, I, I mean it wholeheartedly. Uh, I tell people on a regular basis, like the, the greatest gift in my life next to my wife and, and my children, um, of course, my salvation is, is the privilege of getting to pastor God's people. And it, it's been awesome. And, and if you could have told me that we'd be where we are and I'm about to build a new church facility and commitment to, to reach the city of Elgin for another 100 years, if, like if you told me, like, hey, I, I feel like God's call my life is to invest in one place for a long period of time that we might build something really special for his name, not, not that our names would ever be remembered in it. Um, I would have told you, I think you're crazy, right? I, I, I never saw any of that coming. Um, and, and hear me, I, on a regular basis, I feel like you deserve better, but I'm just gonna tell you, because I feel like you deserve better, I need your prayers. And man, I, I, I need them. Um, I, I wanna thank you. I, I don't think I would be here uh, without your prayers. I know many of you pray for me on a regular basis. Uh, coming out of, uh, you know, I, I didn't deal well with my father's death. I went in, had a little period of depression. I didn't even realize that that's what it was until later. And you come out of that and you see the thoughts you were having. You're like broken. Oh, Lord, I'm a, I'm a man. Like God has been so gracious. And I look in the middle of it, man, in the middle of all that, I, I think some of the best preaching I've, I've ever preached happened during these seasons where I was really suffering. And the only thing I can think that carried me through was the prayer of God's people. And so um, here's what I want to challenge you to do, not just for my sake, but for the sake of all of us. Uh, Let's walk out some application real quick and we'll close it. Okay, number one, I'm going to challenge you to pray for your pastors and your church leaders. Okay, Um, when you say church leaders, what do you mean? Uh, At at some point, I fully believe that as we continue to grow as a church, we're going to have to have elders. Um, And maybe that freaks you out. We're not there yet. We'll have those discussions as a church. But uh, read the New Testament. Every church had elders. And and what elders are are just other spiritual leaders that meet those same qualifications as a pastor. But maybe they don't have the, the, listen, they have to be able to teach, but maybe they're not called to do that for a living. 
right? And so uh, they come alongside, they share the vision, they, sh- they share some of the burden. And, and so we have some people that, that unofficially kind of have that role in this church. I, I'd also include your deacons in there. Your deacons are part of your church leadership. I'd definitely include staff members, right? When you think about our staff, so ministry-wise, uh, ministry we've got um, Catherine, we've got Ryan. Um, those guys are part of our ministry staff. And so our children's ministry and youth ministry, guys, as we seek to be a church that um, takes the gospel forth into Elgin, Texas, and sees the lives of entire families transformed by the, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, there are some pillars that we have to be about. And one of those pillars is children's ministry. And so you need to pray for Catherine daily. Uh, Lord, would you continue to bless her? Would you grant her wisdom? Would you help her ministry grow? Would you, would you help her in her leadership, right? And then we, we've, got, we've got students, and that, that's another one. And so students, it's not just about reaching students, but now we also have to reach parents who are supposed to be the primary disciples of students. And so you think about the task that Ryan has before him. Of course, then we've got marriages. You know, that's another pillar that we'll have to be about if we really want to see the lives of families transformed. And we don't even know what that looks like fully, but we've got volunteers that are currently doing that as people step up on Wednesday night and lead programs for our women and for our men. And so guys, we're going to pray for those people. And so I want to challenge you, do that. Be praying for the leaders of this church because ultimately, listen, it's not about, man, I wish I was like them. I wish I had their responsibility. I wish, you, you probably don't want it. But I'm going to tell you, those people need your prayers because the, the, the city, the people that surround us, they're watching. They're watching First Baptist. They're watching the people of First Baptist. They're watching their marriages. They're watching their lives. They're watching the way that they raise their children. So in this watching world, man, we need you to pray for us, okay? That's, second, uh, that's the first thing. Second thing I want to challenge you to do this week, ready, is... Um, on the screen somewhere. There we go. Uh, Pray for the families of your church leaders, okay? Because it's not just about the people individually. So uh, Jacob, by the way, I almost left Jacob off. You got to pray for Jacob and for for his leadership as he leads us in worship. Um, You got to pray for our families. And so, uh, you know, think about Melanie and the kids, right? Um, This guy's guy's working two jobs, and, and one of them is more than full time. And, and then the amount of time that he puts in here, is, I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. And you need to pray for him. You need to pray for his family. You need to pray. Uh, there's not a single person on staff at this church that's, that's involved in ministry at this church that is not going through personal struggles with their family. Not one. Every single one of us got stuff going on. I mean, big stuff, not little stuff. Like, like big stuff going on. That weighs on us on a regular. I mean, just pray for us. Pray for our families. That's a big deal, okay? And so... Uh, the uh, last thing I want to share with you guys is this, is I want to challenge you to um, make this last commitment, okay? And so if you've got your sermon notes, here it is. Uh, every week we're doing this, we're closing out, and uh, we're asking you to make the, these commitments with us. Um, I, I'll, I'll challenge you and, and let you know I didn't write these commitments. Um, they didn't come from me, just so you know, because when you're going to read it, say, well, that's a little haughty. Um, didn't come from me. But it is important. And this is what it says, uh, commitment number, uh, it should be four. I think it says three there, but commitment number four is uh, we're going to ask you to pray for your leaders. Pray for your leaders. See, um, your leader can't even write a four where it's supposed to be. So um, important. Uh, Commitment number four, I'll pray for my leaders. It says, I'll pray for my pastor and church leaders every day. Like that's the commitment we're going to ask you to make. That's, that's, That's a high bar. You may feel like that's excessive. No, I'll pray for him once a week. That's not what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to pray for us every day, okay? So we're asking you to pray for um, your, your pastor and your leaders every day. It says, I understand that the pastor's work is never-ending. Days are filled with numerous demands that bring emotional highs and lows. He must deal with critics. He must be a good husband and a good father because my pastor cannot do all things in his own power. I will pray for his strength and wisdom daily. Again, that's taken kind of directly. That's 
killing me. Um, that's pray, taken kind of directly from, uh, from, from our, our, our commitments from the book that we're walking through. Uh, but I want to challenge you to make it. And I want you to, to think about it in terms of not only the, the pastor, but also the entire staff, all the leadership of our church, to, to really make our leadership part of your prayer life. And, and guys, here's the reason why, if I were going to give you, you know, hey, what, what's the deal? Why are we doing all this? Um, here's the deal uh, that I would share with you just kind of lovingly, vision-wise. Um, God's, God's doing something. And I know it's Memorial Day weekend and everybody's not here, uh, but if they were, we've seen almost 100 people in this service every week, which 830, 100 people. God bless y'all. Y'all are awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm barely with it at 830. Like, I wake up about 945. So, um, not on, I mean, I'm, I'm awake, but I, I wake up about 945. That's when the coffee finally kicks in and we start doing life. Um, but, but, you know, that, that's awesome. Our second service, we've seen almost 200 people here on a weekly basis. Um, and, and, and listen, there's a stirring that's happening. We've, we've got uh, four baptisms lined up. We've got things that are going on. God is moving. God's doing some really great things. And, and there's a new passion, I think a renewed passion for what God is doing as we talk about crossing over to 95. And, and man, we wouldn't be facing some of the obstacles that we're facing in that move right now as, as we work through things with the city. Satan is not happy with what's about to go down. And, and he ain't going to be happy with it. But you know what? Um, man, we're committed to it. But as that happens, we need more than ever, we need you to pray for us. Because I'm just going to tell you, you got a bunch of fools leading the church. No, um, no, not real. Somebody, somebody said, like, really, you know, Pastor, what's the key? And I, I think here's the key. Um, we have a mindset that, that Jesus is moving and we just don't want to mess it up. That's it. We just, would you pray with us that we wouldn't mess it up? That God would be glorified. Um, what God is doing and what he has done around here does not happen often. I talked with somebody last week in their church and they were talking, they were just talking about budget, talking about how much they're struggling. Man, we're struggling and blah, blah, And somebody said to the other, we had, we had two more AC units go out. We're like, yes, that's awesome. Praise Jesus. Um, and it just shows us how God provides because it's not an issue for us. Because we, we don't have to say, oh, I don't know, how are we going to pay for that, Lord? How are we? God has provided in such a way that in our church, like the Lord is provided in such a way that we just say, okay, well, let's just fix them. Like, there's, there's never a question, right? And this other person was going, man, I know this other church in town, and it's a big church and doing this, and they've got, they have an AC unit out for years that they can never seem to get around to. And I'm like, the Lord's just been gracious to us. The Lord has just been gracious. Why? Because he's doing something. And God is doing something, and so we're so excited. And we ask you to, to be a part of it. This is the way that, apart from serving, and we need you to serve, but apart from serving, this is the, the, the best way that you can help the leadership of the church is to join with them in prayer. When you pray for us, it's like you come up alongside of us and you give us another set of hands and you give us another set of feet, right? There's no way that we can be productive without your prayers. And so I just want you to know we covet those. I'm gonna pray for us. We're going to give you a couple of minutes. I'm going to give you just 60 seconds to look over that. It's a short commitment. Remember, you can cross through the three and put four, right? But I, I don't want you to sign your name to it. And remember, we're not turning these in. I'm not taking roll to see who all, uh, well, ah, Mark didn't turn. He, he, he won't pray for us. That's it. Um, no, we're not, we don't want these. We don't want to know, okay? We don't want to know. This is between you and the Lord. But don't sign your name on a sheet of paper if you're not committed to praying daily. Just don't do it. Just take it home empty and say, God, I don't know if I'm there yet. You know, maybe say, I'm, I'm going to pray for him once a week. Okay, that's not the commitment. We're asking you to pray daily. And so if you're not there yet, don't, don't, don't tell God you're in when you're not in. Okay, so I want you to spend a couple 
minutes just thinking about that, thinking about if, if, if you're in, okay? Now hear me, if you're visiting us, God bless you. Um, I'm sorry, this is probably not the sermon you were thinking you were gonna get this morning. Uh, but here's the deal. Pack it up and take it home wherever you go. Because whatever church you visit, whatever church ultimately God calls you to be a member of, your leadership will need this attitude. They will need you to commit to these things. And so let me pray for us this morning. Father, thank you for loving us. Um, Lord, uh, just for a couple minutes, not even a couple minutes, just for 60, 90 seconds, uh, call us just for a second to think about uh, how we can help our leadership. And Lord, it's weird being the pastor, <laughs> being the guy that is, is here and, and is supposed to uh, officiate and, and oversee the, the, the inner workings of your, your church here. First Baptist, it's weird being the guy preaching the sermon saying, hey, I need you to pray for your pastor because I'm the pastor and it feels weird and strange, but it is true, right? Because God, the truth is that, that this thing called life is hard for all of us. And then this thing called ministry on top of this thing called life, it's just about impossible, and, and, and so, Lord, if, if, if I could just be honest with these people, I would just lay before them and say, God, I covet their prayers. Lord, I covet their prayers. That I believe that the testimony of my life, of, of how I've, I've gotten through, is literally because there are times that I have not been able to stand, but their prayers have carried me through that week. Lord, that their, their prayers have been the, the passion that kept burning in my heart for your kingdom and for your ways and for your church and for your bride. And so, Lord, I just pray that that would continue. I pray that this morning we would add new people into that fold that are committed to this daily praying for the leaders. Lord, I want to I wanna pray for Catherine. I want to pray for Ryan. I want to pray for Jacob. I want to pray for our administrative staff, for, for Pete and for Tiffany, for all of the, the women that give up their time to run our we care, God, for everybody that leads a ministry, for every deacon and for every wife, Lord, it takes a village for the surrounding world to see your hands and your feet in action. And so, God, we pray. And Holy Spirit, don't let anybody here just make an emotional decision to write their name on a piece of paper and say, I'm in, if you don't first convict their heart that they need to be in. Lord, just do what only you can. In your name we pray. Amen.